Good morning. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My name is Caitlin. Hello, way in the back. <laughs> um, many people here call me Kate, so either is fine, but I'll be doing the scripture reading this morning, and it is Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The scripture is as relevant today as it was then. Nice job, Kate. <laughs> nice job. Good morning. Everybody doing all right this morning? Good? Yeah, it's about half of you. That's good. If we can get to 51%, then we're doing all right. So, hey, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I really would love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you just a little bit better. Let me tell you what's going on. We are in the last week of our Dwell series. And now, we've been in Philippians 4.8 for the last five weeks. And somebody told me this week, they said, you know, Dallas, there are other verses in the Bible. So, I said, yeah, I know that. But, but isn't it a good opportunity to dwell in a verse, right? Marinate in it. Provide depth of understanding to something. And so what we've done over the last five weeks is really take those eight things that Paul says to dwell in and, and let it just kind of rewire some things in our thinking. And so the first week we just talked about that word dwell. We just said what it means and how we can apply that word to our lives and to our reading and that sort of thing. And then the last three weeks we've just taken each of those eight things and processed through them. And here today we're going to zoom out just a little bit. We're going to look at the, the bookends to verse 8 and process through those. Now, I knew verse 8 was important, but I never really realized how important until Monday when I looked at this in context. What I want you to do is keep this statement with you as we proceed. It says this, The highest form of thinking is to recognize the reality of God's loving presence in our actual lives. That's the highest form of thinking, to, to actually identify that there is a presence here that is greater than any other presence, and that's the presence of God in our lives. And so we're going to process through that a little bit more today. And what happens is, if we don't recognize that God is with us, then the best we can really hope for is that God, high above us, would throw us a bone every now and then. We're going through something, you know. We're worried and we just say, God, please intervene here. But we get robbed of experiencing his presence. We get robbed of really having him be able to, to fight battles on our behalf. So we're going to feel like we need to fight them and just hope that he'll throw something down every now and then to help us out so graciously. And this is how I lived my Christian life for probably the first seven, eight years of my faith. I treated my faith like it was the Hunger Games. Now, if you haven't seen The Hunger Games or read the books, how, by the way, just a show of hands, who has at least read or seen the movie? Okay, so about, about half of you. If you haven't seen the movie or read the books, what happens is the powers at play, they make people go and essentially fight for their lives, fight to the death. Um, they get this little arena that's like many miles wide and stuff like that, and it's you know, out in the woods and stuff, and they have to like try to survive. And so what happens is, when you get a wound or you need a tool or something like that, what you do is, you hope to have a sponsor with some pool. So there's people watching, the power's at play, they've got it on television, stuff like that, and you just hope to call out to a sponsor and say, hey, please help, 
could you send one of those little parachutes down with like some ointment or some bandages or a tool that I need? And that's the best that you could hope for. Meanwhile, by yourself, you're fighting these battles. You're just hoping somebody will throw you a bone. But you've got to be the one to fight. And this is how so many of us live our Christian lives, isn't it? That we just hope that God will just be so gracious to throw us something that we need. But in Philippians 4, we see this wonderful progression happening in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. We see that the peace of God is available to us in verse 7. That speaks to us when we're anxious. But then you see this progression of verse 8 to setting our minds on things above. And then after we've set our minds on things above, we experience the God of peace being with us in verse 9. And see, that's the goal right there, to elevate our thinking to the reality that the God of peace is already with us. Now, that will change some things, won't it? See, experiencing the peace of God is a great, great thing. But to experience the God of peace is a whole other level, isn't it? So verse 8 is helping us to, to elevate our thoughts from the anxiousness. And by the way, we talked about that word briefly last week. Anxious in this context means to be double-minded. So what Paul is saying is that we have a new life, and yet when we continue to focus on the old life, that's where the double-mindedness comes in. That when we focus on the temporary, the, the earthly things, that's where anxiety comes. And what Paul is saying here in this verse is he's saying, when you're double-minded, God is so gracious that if you come to him in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, he will actually provide those attributes to you from him. And isn't that a wonderful and gracious thing? But then in verse 8, he's saying, now set your minds on the new life, set your minds on the things above, and now what you'll do is you'll start to experience the fact that the God of peace is already with you. Now that's a whole new ballgame, isn't it? See, what's happening here is verse 8 is elevating our thoughts from experiencing just the gifts and attributes with us, but now he is with us. Now let's read through this progression here starting in verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So then verse 8, he tells us what to dwell in. And then verse 9 says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things And the God of peace will be with you. See that drastic change from verse 7, the peace of God being with us, to verse 9, the God of peace being with us. So verse 8 takes us from experiencing what is good in verse 7 to experiencing who is good in verse 9. It takes us from experiencing what is with you in verse 7 to who is with you in verse 9. See, dwelling in what is good elevates our thoughts. It takes us... From earthly things to focusing on heavenly things. Remember remember Psalm 23 when David says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. See, he knew. He, he had been elevating his thoughts to the things from above. He had elevated his thoughts to understanding that the God of peace was right there with him. Remember how he starts it? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who's leading me. And then he also says, he's right beside me, with me. And then he ends by saying, he also has got me from the back. He understood that he was fully protected on all sides with God's presence in his life. So when a dark valley came, he said, 
The God of peace is with me. That's the point here. See, when our thoughts are raised, we see clearly to understand that he is with us. And if he is with us, then we can confidently proclaim that no matter what comes, everything is going to be okay. Now, let's go back to verse 6, that word anxiety. This is the same Greek word that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 10 with the Mary and Martha story. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but remember Mary and Martha have Jesus over and some more people are coming. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, she's not real happy about that because there are preparations that need to get done. And so she's stressing out about it, right? I mean, she's like, Jesus, you need to talk to Mary, okay? All she's doing is just sitting in your presence right now, but there are things that need to be done here. And Jesus responds like this in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha. And I wonder if he says her name twice because she's gotten distracted once again. Even as she's talking to Jesus, she gets distracted. And the Lord answered, you are worried. Now that's the same thing from Philippians 4, 6. Same Greek root word here for anxious. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, with Martha's mentality, the best that she could have ever hoped for was to experience the peace of God, because she's double-minded. She's, she's worried, man. She's like, I got to kick all these kids' toys in the closet before people get here. I got to get that best china out, man. I got to make sure everything looks really good. So she's focused on earthly things, the things of her old life. She's double-minded here. So the best she could hope for is that verse 7, the peace of God. So there's a there's cycle of, I'm worried, I'm stressed. Let me go ask for God's peace. And by the way, we never outgrow that. I mean, we will always, always have earthly things that we continue to get consumed by and think about. And we need to go to God and say, God, provide your peace, provide your attributes. And, and that is a good and right thing. But until she starts to elevate her thoughts, until she starts to focus on these Philippians 4, 8 things, then she won't be able to experience the God of peace already being with her. And that was what Mary was doing, man. She was like, forget about all the other things. I'm with Jesus right now. I mean, I I can't really focus on anything else. I am enamored with this Jesus and experiencing his presence. She understood that the highest form of thinking was to recognize the presence of God with us in this moment. God is telling us through this story, you know, even if you're double-minded, there's such grace for you to come to me and ask for my attributes, ask for my gifts, but... Set your minds on things above. That Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds on things above. And then you'll recognize that my presence is already with you. And if my presence is already with you, then everything is going to be okay. And perhaps when storms come, when life hits us in the face, we'll recognize that God is with us. And if God is with us, everything is going to be okay. Last week... um, hadn't exactly started my day in prayer and in the scriptures, I'm sad to say, but Friday morning, I get up before my alarm even goes off, and I had this sense, Dallas, you need to get yourself up at this moment, and so I did, and I prayed, and I got in the scriptures, and not long after that, one of my girls 
comes running down the stairs saying she's not feeling well. And there are moments in time where you can look back and you sense that God kind of taps you on the shoulder, you know, and says, hey, sit this one out. I got this one. You ever had that experience? And so that's exactly what happened. She comes down the stairs. She's sitting there. She says, Daddy, I, I just don't feel well. And I recognize that, you know, there's been many times in the past where she's been the only one in our family to be sick. And so, so I thought, maybe there's something else going on here. And I asked her, I said, do you think it maybe has something to do with your body responding to your anxiety? Maybe there's some anxiety going on here. And she says, well, I did just have a bad dream before I came down here. I said, well, that makes sense, right? So we kind of processed through that. And, and I had just been reading in Mark chapter 4. You know the story where Jesus and, and the disciples are in the boat and Jesus goes to sleep, which I always find theologically, that's just an amazing thing to me to think about. But he's asleep, and man, there is a bad storm that happens. And one version says there was a furious squall. I love that. There was a furious squall. And it says that the water was swamping into the boat. It looked like they were going to drown. And so if they wake up Jesus, you know, and they say, Hey, do you care the fact that we're about to drown here? And of course, Jesus gets up, rebukes the storm and the waves... And then he says, do you still have such little faith? And I found that story so interesting. I told her, I said, you know, sometimes God, when we come to him, he will just take away the storm. He'll do that sometimes, so graciously. And sometimes he also will provide his peace to us in the midst of it, so graciously. But at the end of the day, what he really wants for us is to be able to have peace knowing that his presence is there in the midst of the storm. And if his presence is there in the midst of the storm, everything will be okay. I mean, wouldn't it be great to get to a point in that story where you had such trust in the presence of Jesus that you could just curl up next to him and go to sleep in the midst of the storm? I think that's his point here. I mean, what would it look like for us Say all these storms, all these waves, all these things. It seems like my world is just caving in right now. And yet, I'm going to curl up and go to sleep with Jesus, knowing that his presence is even greater. And I think that's what God is telling us in this story. It's not that he's going to come and he's going to take away the storm and he's going to make everything better. It's that even if the boat sinks, everything's going to be okay. The boat can go down. The storm can come. All kinds of things can happen, but if his presence is with us, then everything's going to be just fine. That's what verse 8 helps us, the reality of that truth, that everything's going to be all right if the God of peace is with us. So I started to share these things with her, and you could see, I mean, there was really something changing in her. And she started to ask some questions, and some of them were kind of drastic. She said, uh, well, what if a crocodile bites my head off? And I thought, well, that's... It's a little dramatic, but, you know, at the same time, same thing. God is with you, and everything will be okay. But, Daddy, what, what, what about, what about, what about? Everything's going to be okay, because God is with you. That's what verse 8 helps us to understand. It rewires our thinking to know that if His presence is with us, everything is going to be okay. And as I shared this with her, I could see things changing. And finally, just go up to her. I gave her a big hug. 
And I said, look, I promise you everything's going to be all right. So I went upstairs. I didn't know how things were going to shake out for her. I didn't know if she was still going to be feeling sick or, or what. But just a couple minutes later, I hear little feet pitter-pattering and running. And it was her. She got up. She was liberated. Man, it was just such a beautiful morning to see her experience the, the peace that comes from the fact that God is with us. And man, she ran around that morning. She got in that minivan and she started singing and stuff. And I just said, praise God. The fact of what he's doing with experiencing his presence in her life. And by the way, the same is true for us today. That we can just come to him and say, God, I, I just I want you to retrain my thoughts to know that I don't have to be double-minded anymore. I don't have to give in to anxiety. I don't have to give in to worry anymore because your presence is greater than all that. Jesus says this in John 11, verse 26. He says, and whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. Do you believe this? You know, we really ought not gloss over that statement from Jesus right there. I mean, that is a profound, profound statement. And I'd like to ask that question here today. I mean, really, just objectively evaluate. Do you believe that everything is going to be okay since life is found in His name, not in the circumstances or even death itself? No longer do we have to give in to worry because he is life. And no longer do we just have to settle for the peace of God. We actually can have the God of peace with us always. And that's why just a few verses later in Philippians 4, it's verse 13. Paul says that famous line, man. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And his point is not that, you know, I used, to, I used to wear that in the outfield when I played baseball, and I'd say, all right, my next at bat, I'm going to hit a home run because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But that's not his point here. His point is, because of the supremacy of Christ, because of the preeminence of Christ and the fact that he is with me, look, I can endure any situation. I mean, if, if God wants to give me prosperity and wealth, I can stand it now. I, it doesn't control me anymore because I'm controlled by Christ. Or if he wants to, you know, give me a, a life of, uh, of persecution, of, of any, you know, pain and all those things, of poverty and all that, I, it doesn't control me anymore because Christ's presence is with me. I can endure any situation because Christ is with me. Words like five verses before that, Philippians 4, 8, of whatever is true, whatever is honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good rep- of good report, of moral excellence, in what is praiseworthy, all those things helped shape him to say, yeah, I can endure any situation because Christ is with me. So we're going to close service a little different today. Uh, we're going to get a little wild today, all right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? We're going to do two things. Yeah, I heard a woo. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. So we're going to do two things. We've got two songs here on the back end. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up we got two songs here on the back end. And during this first song, what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. But also, you may have seen at the front these note cards. And there's pens. And what I'd love to do is, during our staff meeting Tuesday morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pray over what's written on these note cards. That's going to be our entire staff meeting. We're just going to devote that time to praying over what gets written on these. And so maybe as you leave this series, maybe there is still some anxiety there. 
Psalm 139 says, search me, God, and know my heart. And if there's, if there's any anxious thoughts in me, essentially reveal those things to me. And so during this time, I would love for, for you to just write down what is causing you anxiety in this moment. Maybe there's a theme in your life, you know. Maybe there's something from, from long ago when you were a kid and it just continues to permeate in your life. And you just, you just want to give it up. We're going to pray over those things. You don't have to write your name on it or anything like that. Just write that exact anxious thought and then put it in the basket here. Um, also, again, we're going to take communion. So what we're going to do is during this first song, you're, you're going to want to get the elements for communion and then take it back to your seat. And then after this first song, we'll take communion all together. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you to abstain from taking communion during this time, but, but to really evaluate what is it that's keeping me from going all in on Jesus? What's keeping me from taking that step of faith to say, God, I surrender my entire life to you? Or if you are a Christian, but there's not really like that, that reverence for the moment, you know? Or maybe there's, there's things that we need to repent of first. Paul says, examine your hearts before taking communion. So maybe there are things that you need to confess. Maybe you even need to go to somebody during this time before you take communion. Man, I encourage you to do that. But let me remind you why we take communion. Jesus makes a way for us to be with the Father forever through the cross. And maybe there's some things that, you know, there's been some complexity and things in your life right now. And you just, you know, you've, maybe you've gotten away from that truth. Maybe you've gotten away from that simple, beautiful, wonderful reality. Now's a great time to just say, God, thank you. I mean, my, my eternity is secure now. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the one who was sinless, went to the cross on my behalf so that I could be with the Father forever. And we just take this time to just say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. You're such a wonderful brother to us. Let's pray together. Father. Oh, we just thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Father, there was nothing we could do to, to earn your affections, and yet you still graciously give it to us. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your kindness. We're thankful for your mercy. We're thankful for your power over sin and death. We're thankful that, yeah, at the end of the day, like we can just have peace because the fact that you are with us. And Father, reframe our thoughts to match that reality of the fact that you are with us. We love you very, very much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.